Back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at bkglueguys, netsdaily.com. Brian. <laughs> the Nets are back. Yeah. Dude, buddy. <laughs> Nets are back. Um, what's the newest latest? I haven't I haven't heard anything in the news about us for 15 minutes. Mike, is there any update on how how much more impending these free agents are like come on how how much how much more tea leaves can we can we flip at this point dude this is read or you know crocs to we know all of it if kevin durant doesn't come to the nets at this point it's going to be the ultimate tease because it yeah isn't every is everything just pointing to this will be like when the New York Times like totally aided on the Mueller, on the Mueller report, right? Like that lefty rag, <laughs> you know. I love when you bring politics into a Brooklyn Nets podcast. Brian, the Nets are back. Um, okay, so so DeAndre Jordan, all of a sudden, like, what's going on here? So this pod will be dedicated to the fact that D'Angelo Russell was not the most improved player in the NBA last year. That is a sham, and that's what people want to talk about. No, Brian. Um, there is so... Wait, who did win? I haven't even... That was last night, the awards, right? Yeah, so what's your take on the awards being, like, last night and not being uh, at a relevant point in the basketball calendar? Uh, I mean, the awards thing is, like, ma- like maximum cringe overdrive for me. Like, I can't do it. Um, so I try to try to give that a wide berth um, either way. So it doesn't really affect me too much in that way. Um... It is interesting that, like, that was a debate that we cared about for, let's say, at least a month of the season, if not more. And that Richard Jefferson, the is D'Angelo Russell the most improved player? Like, we, as D'Angelo Russell followers and Nets fans, we defended thoroughly that D'Angelo Russell deserved to be the most improved player. But now that we We, sit here five days from being away. (laughs) I don't remember that at all. I don't remember doing any of that. Um Richard Jefferson went on national television on ESPN and thoroughly defended D'Angelo Russell himself uh, on the jump, famously defended him. Um, and now I don't care because it looks like D'Angelo Russell's not going to be a net come July 2nd, let's say. Um, they may still control his rights, but actually they probably won't because they would have to denounce his rights. Uh, I got to tell you, bro, my head is positively swimming. I am... My head is Michael Phelps at this point. I'm a long-distance swimmer. Um, I'm doing the medley. I'm doing some breaststroke. I'm doing some backstroke. I'm doing some freestyle because I cannot wrap my head around the fact that it looks like the Nets are going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I, I can't. Let's, it's crazy to me. Now that now that I've you know ch- chipped away at this exoskeleton of of whatever it is whatever it is that's prevented you from being excited about this stuff in the past mike this your reflexive no i'm too scared i don't want to just way of existing in this in this life i've brought you onto you know onto this side of the of the table where you know there's a whole realm of possibilities 
And let's let's lean into it, right? Let's say these Las Vegas odds that were released by Bleacher Report on Twitter are not, you know, being taken lightly by the moneyed influencers over in Nevada. Well, and so, let's and so, let's say that that's a real deal thing. He's in the lead. It's probably going to happen. I mean, things are. We need to start, you know, shaping up on this podcast because there's a big opportunity for everybody involved. It's a paradigm shifter of a very unique kind. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, let me and let me at least make this point about the Bleacher Report. So, what we're talking about is the NBA odds that have been released about Kevin Durant's landing spot, and those odds are from Caesar's Palace. That's from their sports book, which is you know, one of the more well-known sportsbooks in Vegas. That's one that receives a lot of bets. This isn't just like, you know, you see some bets from like, like you bet.com, like some random website that creates a thing like, is a dog going to run onto the field during the Super Bowl? Something that is so small and that no, no one cares about, but they release a betting odd of that level to, you know, kind of get some kind of attention in the media. This is Caesar's Palace, Caesar's Palace, their sportsbook releasing the odds of who Kevin Durant will play for next season, you know, who he will sign with, the Nets are the favorite. And, and not that's even not just kind the, of that's not a that's not a like quantifiable thing. That's a kind of thing that's like, you know, you get a little bit of an inside track on on a putting an odds on something like that, Mike. Okay. I'll just put it like that. Right. So let's backtrack a little bit. Game of Thrones fans, you and I, um the the number one betting odds for who would sit on the throne at the end of the year before the season began was Bran Stark. And that was most people, if you'd been following the show, would be like, that's not going to happen. Bran doesn't want the throne. Why would he do that? He's the three-eyed raven. He's barely shown an interest in humanity from the moment he's been on the screen you know, of recent. Um, but he was sitting on the throne at the end of the season. Vegas bookmakers got that right. What we have right now is that Kevin Durant, a week before free agency begins, Brooklyn Nets are the favorite team to get him. Warriors number two, Knicks number three, which is interesting. To me, that's more interesting almost than the Nets being number one, is that the Knicks are number three now. The team that was the prohibitive favorite going in for months now that we heard so much that Kevin Durant was going to come to the Knicks, and now they're in third place, uh, sitting there looking at maybe signing like, Chris Middleton to a max contract. This is uh, Brian. We are. It's pretty. We are it's at the door. Pretty juicy, Mike. Yeah, it's pretty juicy stuff. Um, all right. So where do we start digging in from? Like, first of all, we're going to need some investors for the podcast because we need to cement <laughs> ourselves as the largest Nets podcast now and going into the future. When you know the Nets subreddit just went up 10k or one of 20 percent in, in the last like week, just on based on the Kevin Durant rumors. I mean, it is. We we talk about this kind of stuff. We've had as Nets fans a lot of experiences with near misses of big name players um, and things like that. But if this does happen and it's not a near miss, and this is one of you know the three biggest names in not just NBA, it's like one of the biggest names in sports in general. Like my mom knows about Kevin Durant. Um, not that she doesn't know about a lot of stuff. That's a bad example, and I'm sure she listens, and I feel sorry for, for my Maybe, I don't know. So Somebody who doesn't watch sports at all or care at all knows about Kevin Durant, at least, you know, tangentially. Um, this is big. Also, let's say, uh, did you did you read the Zach Lowe article um, yeah. that recently came out? Yeah, so Zach Lowe wrote a big, long piece about the debate internally with the Nets of whether, and not even internally, like externally throughout the rest of the NBA, of whether the Nets should go with Kyrie Irving, even if it doesn't bring you Kevin Durant, or if they should actually stick with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Uh, what was your thing about that? Well, I think it it echoed 
my thoughts like completely. I feel like he was inside my head, like reading reading my brain walls when he when, when he, and he stole it basically, plagiarized me. Um, so I have to I have to reach out to him about that. But um, yeah, I think like and also like so this is actually funny because like last night when I was thinking about this um, and hadn't read it because I just read it before this. The biggest reason for just a Kyrie for I was just thinking about okay, what about a Kyrie and D'Angelo swap? What about that? on a basketball level is like fundamentally different. And all I could think about was driving, you know, because that is, you know, Kyrie Irving is the drivingest, one of the drivingest players in the league. And the Nets are by far the drivingest team in the NBA. Uh, in the playoffs, statistically speaking, we are leaps and bounds the drivingest team in the NBA. So like if we're using the playoffs as examples of like where we really refine our strategy and continue to do it on a very consistent basis, you know, we were, um, of all the playoff teams, by far the most drivingest. Um, and that's somewhere where, so Zach Lowe, like, takes a lot of time to sort of um, dig into what's different about Kyrie Irving and D'Angelo Russell's game. And one of the big ones is that D'Angelo Russell is ranks very low in terms of, you know, points scored off of drives. Um, and I got to thinking, and just like, I, I bet that Sean Marks has had this in play for a long time just on a basketball geometry level because they have really sheared off all of the hard edges of basketball um, that aren't drives and three-pointers. And Kyrie Irving is, despite his like meme of being like a mid-range shooter last year, which was true, that's a true thing, um, I think the kind of tutelage culture, blah, 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 all those memes, um, like, the, they see each other across the room and they know what they want to be doing, I think, ultimately, um, on a basketball level here. So I started to tuck myself into it just on a Kyrie Irving supplanting D'Angelo Russell. Pa- hard as that is on my heart, because don't get me wrong, I love I love D'Angelo Russell. I love that we've, you know, helped resuscitate his career. And yeah, anyways, so all that's to say, like, even if Kyrie Irving, that doesn't beget bigger players, which I think it does, in a vacuum, I think it makes more sense on a basketball level. Well, right. So the one way I've kind of thought about this is the fact that I think Kyrie was second team All-NBA this past season. And he was second team All-NBA in a season where everyone hate him, hated him in the world, right? Like he was the source of the Celtics failure. He had all these negative stories written about him. And I'm not even disputing that those negative stories were true. Just the fact that he has had as much negative press about him this season and he's had his entire career, and yet he was still second team All-NBA. And the people that vote on All-NBA are the press. So that matters. How the press views a person is whether they get elevated to first team or whether they're on third team, second team, or whether they're not on any of the teams. Kyrie Irving was still second team All-NBA with all the negativity surrounding him, and D'Angelo Russell was probably the last guy picked in the All-Star game on the east side um, you know, heading into this All-Star game. And so, like, Kyrie's worst season possible in terms of production on the basketball court, off the court, overall influence, he's second-team All-NBA. D'Angelo Russell's best season so far, he was an All-Star pick, but, like, on the fringe of the All-Star pick, right? He wasn't, like, assuredly there on the All-Star roster, not, like, in the sense of, like, Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kawhi Leonard. He wasn't at that level where, like, he's a guy who every year is always going to be an all-star. Delo's going to be a guy who, you know, if he stays with the Nets, you hope he's always an all-star, but he may be a guy who, like, misses out some year because he doesn't make enough floaters over the span of those, like, 45 games or whatever there are before the 
all-star break. So, well, like, I mean, like, if, if we're like trying to definitively say, on a basketball court, I think D'Angelo Russell's ceiling is maybe like a third-team All NBA, which would be fantastic. That means you're a top six guard in the NBA. I think Kyrie Irving's like floor is a third-team All NBA. He's pretty reliably going to be one of the six best guards in basketball throughout the rest of his next contract, unless if he gets hurt and he does have knee issues. So, like, definitively, basketball-wise, Kyrie Irving is better, but, like, the whole debate that I think Zach Lowe got into it, and we've talked about it so many times, is does having Kyrie Irving and not having D'Angelo Russell and then not getting anyone else, does that really, like, is that the goal for the Nets? Like, does that make yourself a championship team? Does it make you really rise up a whole nother level. I mean, I still think, and you can answer this too, is like, if Kyrie Irving is in and D'Lo is out, I still think the best this team is probably going to do is like conference semis, maybe conference finals, depending on matchups. Like it could be like a Portland Trailblazer situation where like they got to the conference finals, but then just kind of like, you know, got smoked basically. I don't, so like something else has to happen. To me, I'm still more of like, obviously, I'm still more. This is my like foundational belief at this point. I'm still more. I'd rather keep D'Lo if no one's coming with Kyrie, and I don't. We are not. Unfortunately, we just don't know that quite yet. But we believe someone's coming with Kyrie, and it's probably Kevin Durant. I'd rather maintain culture, maintain sort of the salary cap flexibility, keep D'Lo in house, than go for Kyrie, dump D'Lo, and hope that. Kevin Durant or another star is going to come with him. I just, well, okay, hang on, hang on. That, so let's let's address that last bit. Yeah, because I have yet to hear a the, the goal of playing in the NBA is to, to win championships, right? That's what we've all decided. Is sort of like that's, that's your goal. That's not my goal. My goal What's is to have fun. My goal is <laughs> just to have, have fun. fun, buddy. Okay, um, okay. Let's let's play devil's advocate and let's like operate from my worldview that it's about winning championships. Um, I have yet to hear a cogent strategy of where how we get to championship levels with D'Angelo Russell as our as our like best player on our team. I, I've still yet to hear that because if the next like the next round of as as Zach Lowe says like disgruntled superstars is years away, you know I I don't know. I don't see it as being anything other than middling, even if you do sign any of these Jimmy Butler type level dudes. Um which we haven't really been tied to. I mean, like if, if the idea that like Kawhi Leonard is in play, like okay, like whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I'm not seeing. I haven't seen. I haven't heard a plan. The the plan if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna say we're gonna keep D'Lo, we don't want Kyrie Irving because we're not gonna also then get Kevin Durant or maybe there's someone else that the Nets really super duper want that they think will bring a championship level roster. Whether it's like if they really believe Tobias Harris is like the dude, but Tobias Harris will only come if it's I don't know Kyrie Irving. Or, I don't I don't know what I don't know what the scenario would be, but the the reason for keeping Angela Russell, even though it won't bring you a championship now, is that it sort of maintains this slow step trajectory that you're currently on. It maintains this asset that you've built in D'Angelo Russell that can be traded in the future. So like. You can ultimately probably D'Angelo Russell won't be on this team two years from now. But if you say no to Kyrie, you sign D'Angelo Russell, you're a playoff team next year, you hope, 
You hope you get growth from Levert and Jared Allen and other places. John and Musa may become an absolute res- revelation, though I don't think he's on this team in two weeks. Um, and you flip D'Angelo Russell and something else because you have him under contract for C.J. McCollum or someone else, and then you bring in another free agent who, you know, maybe guys will get better over the interim. I don't know. If you actually look, I would, I would, I would urge everyone to go to Spotrack. Is it Spotrack or Spot Rack? Um, I would go there, and I would check out the 2020 free agent class. It is startling how bad it is. Like, you have to remove guys who have had who have player options this year that could opt in. Guys like Kawhi Leonard, who has now decidedly opted out. Uh, Kevin Durant technically could have opted in, but he's opted out. Um, I believe he has officially. It's like Kyle Lowry is the best free agent next year um technically gordon hayward could be a free agent but he would have to opt out of his deal which is unlikely that he's going to do like it's really bad yeah so like your point is really well taken that like this team is unlikely to be a championship team unless if they make they have to make a big move um but they the big move could be trading d'angelo russell after next season for someone else who that would be, I don't know. And then signing, you know, someone else, sort of like the Lakers, like you trade for an AD type if it's out there. Maybe Giannis suddenly gets an interest in Brooklyn. Who knows? It's unlikely, but um, I feel like I feel like Abraham Lincoln right now in the movie Lincoln, the Steven Spielberg picture from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar when when they're on the uh, precipice of passing the the Thirteenth uh, Amendment through through Congress, and um, you know he's got his whole. His whole White House staff and inside of the uh, the office there, and uh, and they're going back and forth and jibber jabbering about you know what's what to do. They've got these you know Southern constituents coming up in a boat or something, and they're like you know talking about how to. And he just is like finally pounds a table and he's like enough of this Tammany Hall huckstering. I am the president, clothed in enormous power, and you will get me these votes. And this is my this is my moment here where I'm I say so to all of you the the accent that uh, <laughs> what's his name? Daniel Day Lewis did. I am the president. <laughs> it was it's so specific. It's like a little wispy. It's it's got this odd accent that apparently was like spot on Lincoln, spot on yeah. Lincoln. Yeah, nailed it. Um, I'll work on that for the next time. But this is it, guys. This is the time, all right? We've got a, a – every team's got a little narrow window to fit through for championship aspirations. It comes around ever so infrequently, and you just got to you just gotta be there to get it, you know? Just have the courage to step through the window, okay? Now's the time, everybody, to get on that Kyrie and Kevin Durant train. Full. Full stop. All right? Um, so I will say there's – so, like, Zach Lowe in his piece talked about this, and we've sort of talked about this before, but, like – this is the off season to get this done, to to do something drastic, even if it's not necessarily the best thing in the world to do. Like even if it is signing Kyrie and letting D'Angelo Russell go, like I still have of, of the mind that like if they suddenly get late word that now Kevin Durant doesn't want to come here and it is Kyrie Irving and Kyrie still wants to come without Kevin Durant, you still sign D'Angelo Russell to whatever contract is offered to him by another team, partly because I'm. I think there's a growing sentiment out there, Brian, that D'Lo's not going to get a max offer from another team. There, so, And I'll run through, like, I've done this before, but I'll run through the, the market for D'Angelo Russell, and it is 
not as robust as we're led to believe. Though this well, Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe broaches it in his piece that even the, the few places that did sort of make sense have even ceased making enough sense. Right. There's been a lot of key things that have happened recently, <clears throat> like particularly on draft night and a couple of days before leading up to it that significantly changed the D-Low market, the feared D-Low market. Um, but like KD doesn't come and it is Kyrie. I think you have to bring back D'Angelo Russell. I don't know why you wouldn't unless if you were like you did believe that you could then get if you wanted Tobias Harris like you know in that circumstance I would I it's tough to say like if you're so hard if your heart is set on getting Kyrie Irving KD doesn't come I would rather have Tobias Harris than D'Angelo Russell at that point as well much I mean I think I would go D'Angelo Russell just for tradability purposes I mean I think that um I don't know. D'Angelo gets you the bigger package because that's really all you're doing there is you're sort of delaying the inevitable. Right. And I, I think that's the best argument for it is that, like, you basically bring back D'Angelo Russell to be a trade asset. You don't you don't publicly say that, but you slyly, you know, eight months out, then say you kind of look around the NBA and look at other teams and like, what could you get back for D'Angelo Russell? That would be a pretty messy situation that if they did that yeah. and it would well i actually think it would be messier to do it with tobias harris because in in the world that you're doing a tobias harris signage um signing you're you're basically effectively saying like this is a team we're actually going to see if it works and with d'angelo plus Kyrie, you that illusion you don't even need that everyone kind of knows it's not going to work <laughs> so, everyone, everyone understands this isn't going to end well right um so it's sort of just a you know you're putting a placeholder on you know your off season 2.0 around february it's it's literally because I don't have a better analogy and I never watched ER, but it's like George Clooney running ending his run on ER. Everyone knew George Clooney's contract was coming up and that he was not gonna re up his deal and he wanted to leave ER, but they left him on the show because they're like, This is too successful. We have to have him on the show. But everyone knew that it wasn't gonna work out. And mm. that analogy was completely made up. May not even been the case, but I'm just gonna say Oh, oh wow, you had you had me. I had no idea. It sounds pretty much like the case. Um yeah. Yeah. So, but but what are we talking about, Brian? I mean, the the reality is, it seems like Kevin Durant and Kyrie are coming together. Like, so let me just let's run through a little bit of news here while we're doing this. So, Rick Buecher have reported that Durant and Irving, league sources say, have met twice in recent weeks to discuss the desire to continue their careers on the same team. An idea forged while playing together on the U.S. national team. This is directly from Rick Buecher and Bleacher Report. The first meeting took place in the Bay Area while Durant nursed a strained right calf. Now, that's interesting. Durant with his current team, but yet meeting with Kyrie Irving. And I think by the term meeting, and you tell me if I'm wrong, meeting seems like a physical... They were in the same spot physically. This isn't a FaceTime call, right? This so is, here's here's how it looked. Do you remember the in Lord of the Rings, Return of the or uh, the Two Towers? I'm where, already there with you. Just keep going. Where there was that, uh, that king from... Um, I don't know what's the what's the horse people the horsey guys, um, um, Rowan, the men, Rohan, Rohan, yeah, the Rohan. king from Rohan, and there's that guy uh, Grima Wormtongue who's just like like kind of lecherously like you know you know you know lurking around his throne and whispering things into his ear. Um, that's basically what was happening. You yeah. Know? So like Kyrie Irving's Grima Wormtongue in this situation. That's that's what they mean by meeting there. Beautiful analogy. Um, yeah. And then the second meeting occurred in New York shortly after Durant had a surgery to repair a ruptured Achilles tendon suffering in game five. So they've met twice. They've met specifically after this Durant injury where Kyrie 
and and again, let's set some context here. This Kyrie's buzz happened before the Achilles. Kyrie to Brooklyn buzz happened way before Durant's Achilles injury. So we were getting more and more of it, more assuredness that this was going to happen, that Kyrie was going to come to Brooklyn. And then they meet in New York after, again, it can be said, Durant's surgery was done by the Nets team doctor. Um, you know, some people like to make a big deal of it. Some people don't like to make a big deal of it. I think it is a deal. It is significantly a deal. Um, they met and talked about what they may want to do. And then we get this news, as we talked about before, the NBA odds are shifting at the Caesars Palace that the Nets are the favorite to land Kevin Durant. I, I mean, we will have the conversation later about like what we then should expect from the Nets if Kevin Durant is not going to play basketball. Um, but it, I, I cannot stress how effing insane it is, Brian, that we are potentially at this point where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two of the five most popular players in the NBA and you know top ten most impactful, should be playing for the Nets in 2020. Right. Were, were we talking about this last last week? I can't remember when I was if I was talking to you about this or somebody else. But like, can you think of a time where like a you know superstars willingly paired up on a team other than the Miami Heat? Like this this thing that we're talking about happens so infrequently. Like two top ten players aligned. Like you know the the Durant to Golden State thing it wasn't it wasn't like a conspiracy of multiple people moving to the same team. You know they have they trickled in one by one. Like where has this happened in in any other instance except for this? It's, it's except never, for those two. Never to this degree, right? Like you've had two guys team up on the same team, or, and, and typically it's always someone's traded, and then another guy is traded a year after, or a guy is traded, and then a free agent comes the year after a free agent comes, and then a guy is traded after that. Like there's always sort of like these little different ways these, these super teams are acquired. But not not ever, except for the Miami Heat situation with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, have essentially a super team be cr- been created in an open cap situation. Teams have been trying to create super teams out of open cap situations, and it never happens. Like um, LeBron James and Paul George were supposed to create a super team in uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers, and it didn't happen. So the Lakers had to trade for Anthony Davis. The Nets will. If they accomplish this goal, they will have probably the this, the most stable roster to have ever accepted two max free agents as first-year players, right? Like, regardless of, like, D'Angelo Russell being gone and leaving this team because Kyrie and KD come, still on the roster are Jared Allen, a perfectly good starting center, if not a guy who's going to improve to, I mean, possibly at all-star level starting center. Karis LeVert, who... At the beginning of this season, of the Nets season, he was the guy, the, and as, as pointed out in Zach Lowe's piece, he was getting all-star buzz before he got that injury. Joe Harris, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, who's also way more versatile than just that. Spencer Dinwiddie, one of the best backup point guards in the entire NBA. And Rodion's Karutz, who is the Latvian Kevin Durant. You know, so... Um, yeah. well, th- Thanks for that, Mike. And now we know. Now you guys know who the players on the Nets are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's worth it's worth the, that exercise. But um, the thing that I'm thinking about is like how perfect it would be for this red shirt 
as they say, season for Kevin Durant because like the Nets in both in both practice and form, like the Nets as a franchise is not ready to like endure a championship uh, run or whatever. Like as like as a fan base, as a people, we're not we're not there yet. But this like this season where Kyrie Irving is coming in in a world where this actually happens in exactly the way that everyone's talking about. And Kyrie Irving, there's almost no expectations other than just Kyrie don't get hurt because it really only matters that next season everyone's healthy and doing well. And like all we need is for Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie to play out of their minds and be the best players that they can possibly be. Everything's just lean and Rodian Scare, all those guys you just mentioned, like all it is is it's another it's unfortunate, but that it's like a whole another season of like player player grooming, individual growth, you know, so on and so forth. But it'll be with like real cavalry coming the next season. It'll be like, you know, set in stone that like it's all leading to something much more important. It's just like it's cinematic, it's perfect, and it gives everyone a whole lot of leeway right out of the gate. There's no big expectations in year one for Kyrie Irving. It's a just a nice, easy, make it to the playoffs kind of situation. Well, and it's better than what we t- – so the, the main competitor from Las Vegas odds are that it's going to be the Warriors. The Warriors would be – it would be a great situation for Kevin Durant to come back on the Warriors. I mean, I'll admit that because he's already proven himself there. They all feel bad about how they treated Kevin Durant, I imagine, from shaming him for his injury and then rushing him back from that injury, and then he gets injured even worse because of that rush back and that shame. Um so, like, he would be treated, like, extremely well by being on the Warriors, I imagine. They're going to only do what's best for him because it protects their image in the rest of the league. But if he were to go to the Knicks, we talked about this. This is, like, one, it's the biggest sell-out move possible because the Knicks are horrible. And if he goes there by himself, it's only because he wants to be, you know, Carmelo Anthony 2.0 and be the star of a bad team. You know, Melo had a good team in, uh, with the Knicks, but it was good to a point. It wasn't ever really threatening to be, you know, a team that would end up in the finals. Um, and all of this pressure, this the tanking that the Knicks fans had to go through, and then if they get Kevin Durant, then the waiting for Kevin Durant to actually play on the basketball court and how bad that team is, all of that pressure would just land on Kevin Durant. And as you say, with the Nets, Kyrie Irving subbing in for D'Angelo Russell is at least as good as the team last year if they just did that right and then adding kevin durant and frankly that injury we're told is a nine-month injury and you know you don't want to put this pressure on him already nine months would put him back at like a, a month before the playoffs begin that's a tough time to come back into the season but it would be a nice weapon for the Nets who, like, let's say they were a scrappy team as they normally uh, there are. Goes, there goes the New York media trying to pressure him into the situation <laughs> here. But okay. let's but let's play this out. I mean, we're going to continue to talk about this for the next 15 months. But Kyrie Irving, no, Kevin Durant's injured but repairing with the Brooklyn Nets. So it's like Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, the roster that I just laid out for everyone who's a Brooklyn Nets fan. Let's say they do that. That team is at least in the playoff hunt, if not assuredly in the playoffs, right? So then they go forward, and they are a month out of the playoffs. They're sitting, let's say, the fifth seed in the NBA. Then we get the news Kevin Durant's going to play Thursday night in Sacramento. And if that's what happens, by the way, nine months from now, um, I deserve something. I deserve a Venmo payment from everyone that listens to this pod for a dollar. If Kevin Durant comes comes back Thursday against Sacramento. And the Nets do their classically beautiful thing. We're not going to do back-to-backs with Kevin Durant. We're going to start him off 
10 minutes a game, 10 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game. And they slowly build them back up. And then we enter the playoffs. The Nets are now the fourth seed in the playoffs against a five seed. And they are the most dangerous four seed in the history of the NBA. Brian, what a world. What a world we'd be living in. I'm telling you. Can man. you hear my cat choking himself? As always. It he was doing, it's he does like autoerotic asphyxiation on uh, the, tra- the lip of the trash can. I don't know what he why he's doing it. Um, um, can I do a quick D-Lo market just to let everyone know? Can I sure. just it's just me talking real quick. Sure, um, sure. Okay, so this is the scenario. This is called Nets Thought Experiment. Nets Thought Experiment. How D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant could be on the same team here in Brooklyn. Um, this is how catchy, it could happen. Catchy title. Uh, Nets thought experiment. And there should be like some kind of like wishy, bubbly sound in the background as we do this. But it's not happening. Um, okay. So we've been told many times before that D'Angelo Russell will get a max offer sheet. And he may get a max offer sheet. But what you need for that to happen is that you need another team to offer that. Because assuredly the Nets aren't going to give it unless if they do decide to say no to Kyrie, no to Kevin Durant, and say yes to D'Angelo Russell, which isn't going to happen. Okay, so who's in the market for D'Angelo Russell? Well, we've already found out teams in the NBA who were allegedly in the market for D'Angelo Russell are no longer in the market for D'Angelo Russell. Utah traded for Mike Connolly. Chicago drafted a point guard. Orlando only has $18 million salary cap space, and I would love if they offered D'Angelo Russell an $18 million a year contract and then end... He accepted it because that's a number that the Nets can work with. This Phoenix Suns, famously, Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell are super besties. They've been on boats together. Um, the Suns only have about $14 million in space. They've made moves where they've at, added cap space and then got a rid of cap space all within a week. The Suns are a debacle. Um, Indiana Pacers can do it, but again, they're apparently looking at Ricky Rubio at point guard. They're not looking at D'Angelo Russell. The Timberwolves probably want D'Angelo Russell, but they have no space at the moment. I don't know what the Timberwolves... Stop it. Carnethy Towns, stop doing the eye emojis at D'Angelo Russell. You don't have the cap space to do it, unless if you know that there's a Jeff Teague dumping contract, Gorky Jang dumping contract move to be made. Not going to happen. Okay, so who, who could really make a max offer, a big offer at D'Angelo Russell, more than that Orlando $18 million a year number. And by the way, that Orlando $18 million a year offer can only happen if Nikola Vucevic is renounced, his rights are renounced, and Orlando says goodbye to him, which they may do, but blah, blah, blah. Okay, four teams could do it. We believe four teams could do it. The Clippers could certainly do it, though from what we understand, if they don't get Kawhi, they're probably just going to sit everything out. That's kind of everything that we're hearing. If they don't want Kevin Durant anymore, allegedly probably because they know Kevin Durant won't come there. The New York Knicks could do it. That would be a desperate move. They would, I'm sure James Dolan would like taking a Nets player and putting him onto the Knicks, though I don't think Knicks management would want D'Angelo Russell from everything that we're hearing that they don't want it. The Celtics could do it, but we're now we're hearing that they're targeting Kemba Walker, though they don't have enough money to get Kemba Walker, but that's who they're allegedly targeting. And the Lakers is the, the biggest threat out there because – Right now, they have at least $23 million in cap space. Could be 27 It could be 32 depending on how this Anthony Davis trade works out. We've heard multiple reports about uh, uh, there's going to be a meeting between D'Angelo Russell and the, the Lakers. 
Magic Johnson even specifically said, I think, at the NBA Awards last night that um, he'd be all for the Lakers going after D'Angelo Russell because D'Angelo Russell is now matured, which is the point of having a franchise that develops players. You're supposed to mature them, but they decided not to do that. Okay. So really, only from what we understand comes down to the Lakers offering up the $23 million in space. If they don't do that, if they go for Jimmy Butler instead, which I probably think they will try to do more than D'Angelo Russell, well, um, there's a shot D'Lo could come back. You'd have to trade Torian Prince, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, and John and Musa, and you'd be really thin, but then you would have a team with Russell, Lavert, Kyrie Irving, KD, Jared Allen, and then, you know, mid-level exception dudes, um, minimum contract players like Nick Claxton would get some more run. Um, there is, I said last time, I think there was a 3% possibility. I think there's a 6.5% possibility that Delo's number comes in at a number where the Nets maybe start thinking about how they get rid of other players to bring back D'Angelo Russell. I don't know if it's a smart thing to do, but I mean, Kyrie Irving, Daniel Russell, Kevin Durant, that's a pretty nasty top three. So there you go. Sorry. That's my D-Lo market thing. I apologize. Thank you for listening, Brian. That was nice. That was nice. Um, you did great. Want to do some quick emails? Quick emails. It's your boy, Thomas Winner, a winner in my mind, um, he says, fellows, with the strong caveat that I watched zero games of college basketball this season, me too, and had not heard of him a month ago, also me, Nick Claxton was the guy I wanted. But how did you How did you know? I don't know. Two reasons for this. He'll be fun to watch. A big man that can run on an offense, has a decent three-point shot, and can defend wings. He may not pan out, but at the very least, he should show flashes of weirdo talent that get Nets fans fired up. Two, watching the draft boards over the last few weeks, Claxton shot up. The ringer's Jonathan Charks, Jerks had him at uh, had him 10th, in his final big board, and Claxton was invited to the green room, which led me to believe Brooklyn didn't have much of a chance. Uh, Marcus Tony can find productive players with low picks, and Claxton is the kind of guy I'll enjoy rooting for, plus all that cap space. Good draft. Um, we have, didn't mention in the top half of the show that we have a new <laughs> player, or two new players on the Nets. Um, we also traded one of our picks to the Clippers to clear a little extra cap space for your boy DeAndre Jordan. Um, or whoever else. Um, yeah, we haven't mentioned that yet, which we also need to talk about. We, we, that's that seems like the fakest of fake news, but we'll get back to that. Um, Ooh, okay. Oh, you don't think so? Ooh, no, I don't. But I want to hear why you think so. Well, I mean, so <laughs> just in going in, in following the Twitter back and forth, Mark Stein had initially reported that DeAndre Jordan was like a person that the Nets were sort of trying to figure out how to get on their cap sheet, um, and. Uh, Stefan Bondi was like, hey, actually, like, said this in a room full of people, like, in an informal way. Like, I I hope this isn't coming from me. <laughs> Something to that effect. I mean, the implication was I hope it wasn't coming from him. What, Stefan Bondi was joking around about it or something? Right. Something like, like, I don't know, like, there was... I, I, I Maybe I should go back and read it, because I don't want to misquote Stefan Bonnie, but at a glance, it seemed to say, like, you know, I hope this isn't coming from, from me, like, pontificating about DeAndre Jordan, uh, the Nets signing DeAndre Jordan, like, at that meeting or whatever. <laughs> um, because that's just my own opinion. 
was the takeaway from Stephen Body. Anyways, but back to um, Nick Claxton. Um, you've you've surely gone through the YouTube annals and arrived at an opinion. Oh, with Nick Claxton? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was always pro-Nick Claxton only from reading about his description. I think the most important way to evaluate a prospect is to read the description of him and then go from there. Um, my fear with Mr. Claxton is that the dude is like, I know this is like we talked about Kevin Durant couldn't put up like a uh, like bench press of 185 once when he came out as a prospect, but like the dude is super skinny and delicate. Um, doesn't mean that he doesn't try to bang down low, but like he's he's <laughs> he's spindly. Um, but I love him. I mean, I think at 31, that's a super talent. The fact that like if you ever can get a big man that can actually bring up the ball himself at in the second round, just like that ability alone to get a rebound and bring it up is valuable. Um, but what's your impression of him? I want to do them justice because this is a good write-up. Um, Reed Wallach of Nets Daily did a great little film study of uh, Nick Claxton. I urge everyone to check that out. Um, <clears throat> my impression is that he's a just freshly born baby deer, and his <laughs> baby deer legs defy him at times. Um, but there's a lot there to be intrigued by. Um yeah, and just like the little, the little that I've watched, I think that uh, Thomas Winter's assessment is correct that he can just kind of do, in, like it, a guy that's just coordinated can do interesting things at that height and size at like that level of basketball, and that was sort of my impression of him. He's he's at a at a place in his basketball career where he's like, why don't I just like, I don't know, I'm six eleven, I'll just cross up this guard and like take a mid-range shot i don't know whatever who, who cares <laughs> and that's that's a lot of what his like highlight reel looks like it's just sort of like it, it's almost as it's like such a mixed bag of things that you could just say that there's like a core talent there that could be you know f- you know facilitated in a variety of ways to say that he has like any game locked in is probably a little premature well and like so obviously he's at like the best version of dick claxton is going to be like a five because he's six eleven and he has some length. He's not like super long in the arms, but he's got he's not like short arm Tyler Hero. But the ultimately, I think he's athletic enough to really play the four and defend fours, like the modern day, you know, six seven six eight power four. That's the stretch four type who shoots threes and can kind of work around a pick sometimes. That kind of like the Damari Carroll types. Like I I don't. Everything I've seen from Nick Claxton is that he's athletic enough to handle that. And I think it's like, you know, so it's weird because you'll see at times in his draft profile is that he doesn't have a great feel for the game. But yet also he was the like the primary playmaker for the Bulldogs last year, which is probably a, a symptom of the fact that the team sucked. And he was like the best guy on that team. So he was the reason why he was the primary playmaker. But. Like a very worthy pick, and it just feels like a typical Sean Marks pick where a bunch of other teams draft for need, or they sort of like they get locked in on a certain player. Where Sean Marks decides, I'm going to take the value play, and like, what's the value? He's a six eleven like super athlete who has some really unique elements of his game, and like needs to work on like three things distinctly, which is uh, not kind of being a baby deer. 
and a bunch of other baby deerness. But he's he's like super interesting. I'm very worried about the Nets' second second round pick, though. Um, uh, so if you haven't this been is, tracking this, is a this great what's take? It? I'm excited. I'm excited for y'all to hear this one. This one's good. So if you haven't, is it Jalen Hands? Is that uh, Mister? Is that the person that? the Nets draft in the second second it's Mr. Hands yeah Mr. Hands so okay I'll say up front that I I like the profile of him as well he's he's only 20 years old a young 20 turned 20 in February he was like a high recruit and he has a high assist total and I like high assist total dudes because it shows that uh, the one that the coaches had faith in their ability and it shows also that they understand how to get teammates the ball but okay so I'm I like the profile of Jalen Hands. Six three, one eighty one, can shoot threes, can dish out assists, maybe a combo guard type. I love all that. My fear is that Joseph Sai is making second round picks for this team already. And why I know that, I don't know it. But why I suspect that is and you may have seen this on netsdaily.com and you may have spotted it when you were doing your own Google research of Jalen Hands, but that there's a video of Jalen Hands when he's at UCLA and I think they went on a China trip. And Joseph Sai hosted them for a part of that trip. And he there's like a UCLA Bruins Twitter put out this video of Joseph Sai speaking to the UCLA basketball team. Within 15 seconds of him speaking, he says, oh, hey, Jalen. And then he goes on to explain, well, I'm from San Diego. Jalen's from San Diego. I saw him play basketball growing up. I know him. I don't know if he said like fairly well, but he's like, I've, I've watched him play for many years. Nice to see him here. And what he said, I, I watched that. When he said, "Is I know him so well that I'm going to force my team to draft him." That's what <laughs> I think he said. <laughs> I think my future uh, team. Yeah. So, so there is. Okay, so when this pick happened, Jalen Hands, while seemingly could have gone in that range by other teams, it was a surprise the Nets draft him, particularly because he's a six-three guard and. Not that the Nets should be drafting for need in the back half of the second round. Not like the, any of those guys are going to help their team. But it's an unusual pick for how many guards the Nets have. They pick him. And then you see that video. And you begin to understand that it's likely Joseph Sai had an influence on this pick. Likely. Now, I'm of the mindset that if a guy owns a team and he's making a late second-round pick, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, if he's influencing a pick number 55 or whatever it was, not the worst thing in the world. But he only owns 49% of the team, Brian. He doesn't own it all the way. And you could say whatever you want about Mikhail Prokhorov, but it didn't seem like he jumped in during the draft to give his opinion. And as much as I love that Joseph Sai is taking over the team, I would be a little bit worried, Bri, that our buddy Joseph, new to the scene... Yes, he's owned in. Uh, 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 it's actually not a major league lacrosse team. It's like a whole nother league. He's owned a lacrosse team before, but I would be concerned that Mr. Sai is having influence over the Nets draft already. And again, whatever you want to say about Mikhail Prokhorov, and he made many mistakes early on. Um, the fact that he pushed the Nets forward so much, push, put pressure on Billy King to make that Celtics trade. And the fact that he cheaped out on Paul Pierce and wouldn't bring Paul Pierce back on a contract, basically, you know, putting the nail in the coffin for that Boston Nets trade. He was much less influential in the end and was much more hands off than other owners. And I worry 
that Joseph Tsai is going to be much more hands-on, as evidenced by Mr. Jalen Hands being drafted by the Nets. That's it. That, that's all. That's, that's just, please call him just Mr. Hands, if you would. Well, that's the respect I'm going to need to show him because he is Joseph Tsai's favorite player on the Nets you, at the moment. Do you know who Mr. Hands is? No. That's okay. Well, go Google that. It's it's a good meme. Um, oh, I'm gonna look it up. We're probably out of time, TBH. But yes, yeah. We'll oh, get to the geez. other emails. <laughs> you don't. Oh, yeah. jeez. You never, you never heard about that. Oh. You guys, gonna, you guys shouldn't do it. Don't do it to yourselves. Um. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, two sure other boys who emailed in. Um, our apologies. We'll get to it in. In lieu of that, I urge you to go uh, Google Mr. Hands. Um, Mike, stop. Stop that. Whatever you're doing over there, whatever that could possibly be, um, stop that and take us out of here, would you? Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at your ears another time this week. And then all of free agency, we're going to be doing updates. We're going to be doing crazy. At PK Glue Guys on Twitter, netsdaily.com. Brian, good night. Mm, 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 mm. Good night, everybody. Yeah, boy. Yeah.